The following is a presentation of the Six Arrows Radio Network. Welcome to the Modern Christian Men Podcast with your host, Kale Nelson. Modern Christian men, those words are pretty simple to define. Modern meaning today, like right now. Christian, a follower of Christ and his teachings. Men, well, that's just man plural, you know, like us. But when you put those back together and try to define them according to our times, it can be quite confusing. So what is a modern Christian man? What exactly does that look like? That's what I want to talk about. So welcome into Modern Christian Men. I'm Kale. That's right. Uh, He said that a second ago, but I'm saying it again because a lot of people get it wrong. It's Kale, kind of like the vegetable, but not the K. Yeah, it's spelled with a C. Actually, it's Caleb. You just take the B off of it, and it becomes the the NASCAR champion back in the day when I was born and my dad was a big fan, right? So it's Kale. Thank you for coming by. I'm a podcaster. I've been podcasting for about three years. Uh, I got an idea to podcast after I got out of Christian radio, really wanted to continue talking to people through a microphone and stumbled through podcasting one afternoon out on the farm and realized, hey, that's something I could do. I've got some skills for that. And and God kind of said you know, to me on the inside, hey, that's exactly what I want you to do, Kel. I'm glad you're paying attention to what I'm putting in front of you here. So I did what every good Christian dude does. I went and started a podcast on something completely different than what God encouraged me to do. Yeah, that's right. Ham Radio. Ham Radio 360 is the podcast. I've been doing it for about three years. It's a lot of fun. It's uh, it's all about amateur radio, the ham radio hobby. I've got some great help. I've got show sponsors. It makes a little bit of money, which helps when you're a stay-at-home dad like me. But uh, it wasn't what God told me to do. So... For the last, I don't know, almost three years, God's been poking me, and my wife has been poking me, and I've got listeners to my other shows that are like, hey, Kel, didn't you mention a Christian show one day we could really use that? And I've I've run out of excuses. My my latest excuse for 18 months was I couldn't pick out the music. (laughs) I mean, how stupid was that, man? I couldn't pick out the music to play as the show began, so I'm just not going to do it. What a loser. Anyway, um that that's my excuse and if you've needed encouragement over the last couple of years and we're looking for a podcast for that i'm i'm sorry dude i owe you big uh but he's forgiven me and i ask you to do the same uh, as we now kick this thing off uh, I'm, I'm a dad. I'm a stay-at-home dad, actually. I kind of live a, a different life than probably most of you that are listening to the program do. Uh, I've been a stay-at-home dad for 13 years. I've been a homeschool dad for about, uh, I don't know, seven or eight years now. And my wife brings the bacon home, and I fry it up in a pan every morning, literally for breakfast for the five kids that I raise with my wife. We are business owners, small business owners. We're, uh, we're, we're not there yet. We haven't arrived. We, you know, she has to work really hard to keep us going. Uh, but, but we've got some great plans, and we've got a great God who knows the plans he's made for us. So we're excited to keep moving forward and see what he's got in mind. So uh, just a little bit about me there. Uh, You'll learn more about me as this thing progresses. I'm a very transparent guy. I'm 43 years old. I live in South Carolina in the upstate. Um, You probably knew that from the accent. But anyway, I'm glad you're here. And I'm not going to just keep rambling on about me and 
uh, how great Kel is. I'm just a guy that wants to share with you some experiences and some connections that I've made through my travels and in hopes that I can encourage you. You can encourage me. We can get through this thing together because we know, we really know what we've been called and told that we're supposed to be. But society, man, is wrecking it all. And, you know, our wives need us to be one thing and our kids need us to be another thing. You know, our employers need us to be something. Our parents need us to be something. Everybody's pulling on us. Uh, and, and we've got a great model for us. We're just not following the model. So I'm hoping that through this show that we can get to where we're supposed to be. That's my prayer, right? So, again, forgive me for, for taking so long. I really hope you like the program. This is just a taste of what we're going to be doing here probably every other week. We'll just see how it goes. The number one thing is you listen, and I hope you like it. Would love to hear back from you, some feedback or whatnot. Check out the website, modernchristianmen.com. Contact links and about me and all that other stuff is there. Thank you for listening, and now I want to bring on a buddy of mine. Milam Byers is with us here on Modern Christian Men. Milam is the namesake of Milam in the Middle, my my youngest son, and uh, that, that's a whole, you know Milam. We could have a whole story about that, but we won't take the time during this this conversation. Man, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, thank you. It's yeah. great to be here. Well, Milam and I go way back. Our the first time I remember Milam, uh, my most vivid first memory of him is when his older brother was screaming at him to get out of the bedroom. He couldn't play with us. <laughs> and I think that was about 1987. So it's, we've Sounds known each other right. a few years. I remember yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> you probably remember a lot of that because you probably got a lot of it. Right. And I was like, Josh, man, why you got to be so mean to him? He's like, Get out of my room. You know, I'm like, Dude, he's 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 cool. He's fine. You know, he's not near as aggravating as my brother. And and then Spanky would the little brother, the baby brother would come in and. He'd be like, come on in, Spank, hang out with us, you know? And, and right. Milam's sitting yeah. out there in the hall crying. So, man, I, w- I was pleading the fifth for you, bro. I was trying to get you in there with us because uh, you, you you were you were cool. You were good with me. So, Thanks, Kale. Sorry. I was probably out there. I was scheming. I was probably doing something to get in trouble. Well, you, honest, you, you so. were probably out there trying to get Josh in trouble. <laughs> Mommy won't let me in the room. And that was some good times. Yeah. Oh, well. Oh, well. <laughs> But uh, but I wanted to talk to you about something that, that that I've always had questions about, and there's probably a lot of people out there that have questions as well. And you know, just I grew up a, a phone man's kid. You know, my dad worked for Southern Bell, which became AT and T and Bell South and all that. And my mom was in banking. Uh, I had friends who were pastors' kids, like you and Josh and Spanky. Uh, but but when you guys moved away, I didn't really know many pastors' kids from that. And I've always wondered how it was growing up to being a pastors' kid. We were really blessed. I, I never really understood the, I guess the negativity towards pastors' kids, and um, you know, growing up for part of my life in South Carolina, right there in the Bible Belt, that was something that we carried with us everywhere we went. You know, mm-hmm. at school, on our sports teams, and and certainly at church. But you do feel that that pressure of behaving a certain way and performing and people expect you to be like your dad. Right. So I, I grew up under that kind of that weight of people assuming that <laughs> I would be a, a preacher when I, when I got older and would go to certain schools and study certain things and, uh, you know, all that goes with that. Um, I definitely remember, and this was in Spartanburg, which was around the time we would have been hanging out, Kale, or yeah. Josh would have been hanging out. <laughs> I would have been in the hallway. Yeah, um, yeah. 
But uh, <laughs> sorry, man. I remember. I remember. You know, you feel like you're kind of under a microscope, and I remember particularly in Spartanburg. You know, people people would try to. Um, there was just this unnecessary expectation, like and and you know, I was ten, eleven years old at that time, mm-hmm. and you know, you're you're kind of beginning to flex your muscles as puberty's around the corner and um, your teenage years, and I just remember. Like man, forget this. I'm gonna I'm gonna be myself, and I'm gonna be exactly the opposite of what what they want me to be. Mm. But so I think I can understand because I remember those feelings. Yeah, I think I can understand the rebellious nature of PKs. Although my story is just probably unique in the fact that when I was 11, we moved from South Carolina to Reno, Nevada. I remember my dad coming home one one night. And telling us over dinner that that God had called him and my mom to be church planners, and I'd never heard that term, and had never heard of Reno, um, didn't know where Nevada was on the map, and that kind of upended everything that we knew. You know, we moved out there as a family um, in January of '89, and we were in an area that had absolutely zero evangelical churches of any denomination. There was one Catholic church and there was a population of 55,000 people in the suburb. And so I was thrown into not only a complete like change in culture, you know, I didn't Mm -hmm. know I talked funny until I went to school the first day. And I, (laughs) I was told, you know, I remember there being like 30 kids around me on the playground asking me to say things because they'd never heard anybody with a Southern accent. And so and I'm a shy guy. Like I was a very shy kid. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was very content not to say anything during a school day. And here I was, you know, I was the center of attention, which, you know, that wasn't fun. Yeah. Um, but also going from, you know, the first day of school, what does your dad do? What does your mom do? <laughs> and in the South, it kind of, in some ways being a badge of honor of like, yeah, I'm, my dad's a pastor at such yeah. and such Baptist church. Oh, okay. That's great. To where, to, to like, what? Are you serious? I've never heard of that. What's he? What's that mean? You know, like right. complete, complete shift in uh, culture and thinking. But I will say, that because of that, we went from this very traditional Bible Belt church culture where you know everybody went to church, mm-hmm. quote unquote, yeah. or acted like they did, or. They didn't act like they did, but you know they did on Sundays. They just didn't the rest of the week, right? Exactly. <laughs> so we went from that to this like this Western culture where gambling and prostitution is legal, and this kind of, you know the kind of wild west. And I saw, I mean, I just saw my parents faithfully answer God's call. And I remember even at that young age, even in sixth grade, thinking that there was something more to this than what I had realized before. Everybody that we were surrounded by. Our home was an open door. I mean, that's where the church started. So we had home Bible studies, you know, kids were coming home after school with us. And so I was seeing a lot of life change too. And that was something I'd never been exposed to before. Um, and in the Bible belt, it's just, I don't know. It's born into it. Yeah. I mean, it's just like just a part of the culture. It's not really anything else. And Christianity was more about being a nice Southerner than it was about <laughs> transformation and giving your life to Christ and actually actually doing something and, and seeing change. And so I'll just say that 
my parents were really good and loving and um, not making us feel like they put that expectation and that weight on us, letting us be ourselves, letting us find our gifts and our callings and supporting us. And also my dad, I mean, my dad was very intentional about uh, time with the family. I really don't remember him ever missing a baseball game or a football game or a school play. I have friends that are PKs that felt like dad loved the church and his job a lot more than he loved them. And they rebelled and um, they never felt loved or valued. And, you know, that's a whole nother set of complications. But I never felt that with my dad. And I I was just talking with uh, my younger brother. Jared was over at the house the other night and we were talking about how how lucky we were, how blessed we were that uh, we just, the three of us never really experienced that. And I, I think now that I'm a father and, you know, can look back, I think a lot of that has to do with just dad and mom never made us feel like we had to compete for their time or their love or their attention. They, um, they were really good about boundaries and, you know, I saw, I saw them maxed out and stressed out because of things that were happening and um, the job, if you will. But they always they always made sure that there was time. There was there was space there. We weren't just uh, dad was the pastor. It didn't mean all of us were, you yeah, know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So I had I kind of had a, a different I feel like I had two very different experiences kind of before Reno and after Reno. It was very different. Well, you know, I've I've always wondered in 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 full transparency here, I've known this family since about 1987, and uh, Milam's oldest brother, Josh, older brother Josh, and I were really, really great friends, best of friends. I met him the first day of seventh grade, and uh, we were, man, you talk about fast friends, bro, we were fast friends. It's really cool because, you know, being a dad and having sons, I look back and, and I'm like, wow, what did, uh, Milam's dad's name is Lloyd, you know, what did Lloyd do to 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 wind up with the men that he wound up with as sons, you know, what did he, how did he do what he did to wind up with where he ended up, you know, with his boys. And I've always wondered that. And I, and you just, you really expressed it very well. And I think a lot of us can gain some great knowledge from that, knowing that uh, if we do have kids, we're planning to have kids. I mean, it's, it, it changes you. It, it's never the same. It's the best thing you'll ever do, but at the same time, mm-hmm. uh, you're going to have to to work on your end to get the results you want at the very end. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so I was. I've always wondered that, and you know, not being in your house twenty four seven and and having two years of really intense, great friendship with your brother and and being around your folks and and you and Spanky and and keeping up with you guys. That's always just been a question, and I'm glad you answered it without even me asking. What what how how did your dad get the results? And I think it was yeah. <laughs> it was was being a good dad. Definitely. And like I alluded to as well, I think that faith was something that was not only what we did on the weekend or what dad's job was, but our faith was something that we saw like really active and that came with a lot of struggle, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember uh the year after we moved to Reno, which was a very difficult year. I mean, uh my older brother Josh was in deep depression. Uh, he moved in ninth grade, which is really hard, and then throw some other things on top of that. Um, the year after we moved, my my grandmother, who was only sixty one, um, died in her sleep. You know, no warning, and so we had to weather that. 
and living across the country from family. And, and then, um, the month after we got home from her funeral, mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. And so I, at 37, and so this wasn't this like feel good. If you serve the Lord and answer his call and you go through hard things, then he, he gets your, you know, your, your blessings come on the other end. And you know what I'm saying? It was like, it was a battle. I remember it from the letters and the, and the stuff I got from Josh, man. It was, it was not a lot of fun as Mm -mm. you know, it wasn't like a reality TV show where it ended at the end of the episode. Everybody was happy kind of a thing. Right. No. And, and so I, I had this, you know, I had this, I saw my parents struggle. I saw them cry with us. I saw them do things like, gosh, we were broke. It was so, it was so much more expensive to live there. And so we would have to, you know, we'd find things to do that didn't cost money. Like, you know, we lived 40 miles away from Lake Tahoe and you could buy an inner tube for five bucks and sled down a hill, you know? And so we'd do that on a Saturday because yeah. uh, we could, we couldn't afford to ski. Right. It costs 40 bucks to ski or whatever, you know? So, <laughs> but you know, just, I mean, now that I get to look back on that, it was like, you know, there was a lot of time and care invested in making sure that, that we all weathered through those things together. And it brought us so close. Uh, we all, we often said that we wouldn't be the men that we were without that experience. Reno was very much a you know, a hinge moment for our family right. completely with faith, with, with just how close we were as a family, uh, with the things that we, we did later in life, um, and how it just helped us to, to grow and, and mature and become who we are, you know? So. And, and speaking of some of that, I mean, you've, you've, uh, you've gone on to be a, a musician toured the world and mm-hmm. which was really cool. I miss you guys. Tremendous. I have a 12 passenger van. I, I'm ready to go when y'all are. Uh, <laughs> oh man yeah yeah i'm but, not in a hurry to get in a van again yeah tell me yeah i can imagine i can imagine <laughs> yeah davy and sam and jerry anyway um yeah really miss you guys but i mean you've been a, a traveling musician you've started your own ministry you work in ministry now uh you're a mm-hmm. dad uh you, you you married a beautiful gal i remember that i remember how nervous you were Right before, man, I have, I have never seen anyone any more nervous than you at their wedding in my life. It was so awesome. I have no memory of that. Well, I could remind you of some things off the air that you would not believe you even said, but it was, oh, it was the most awesome time ever. And, uh, oh man, it was just a great night. But, but I mean, you've, you've gone from being this, uh, this little backwards kind of kid not really knowing where to go, what to do. I mean, you, your family's kind of been uprooted and shifted and this calamity has befallen you and, and you guys are still serving. And then here you are, you know, 25, 30 years later, you're still serving the same creator you were serving as a kid. I mean, how, how, mm-hmm. how did you cling to that? Because, you know, a lot of people, when if, if and when they were to face some of that stuff, man, they would have just walked away and that would have been it. That would have been the end of the mm-hmm. story. It wasn't anything I did, that's for sure. And I, I'll just say that... Um, through all that, I mean, through the last 20, 25 years, there, there have been moments that God has just made himself so evident. I remember very well, really, before starting this chapter of life, which has really been fatherhood and, and ministry. Those things happened almost simultaneously where I was so determined not to, to do ministry. <laughs> um, <laughs> I remember that conversation, yeah. 
uh, I mean, so determined. And, you know, I think, I think I definitely ran away from some opportunities and some, some things that, um, had I been in a different headspace, um, could have turned out differently, but I was about, I was about 31 when this happened, but there was just a, there was just a very defining moment for me where I really felt God speaking to me about just not really knowing him. Mm. I'd been around him. I could quote the scripture. Um, I knew the right answers to a lot of things because mm-hmm. I'd been around it. I've been around religion my entire life, had not been reckless, had not had some rebellious season where I was doing anything crazy, had been a faithful husband, but really convicted that, gosh, I talk about God. I talk about the Bible. I, I talk about Jesus being my Lord, but do I really know him? Do I really know what that means? Right. And just, you know, God just giving me this desire um, to dive into his word and not because not because it was a New Year's resolution and this is the year I'm going to read the whole Bible kind of a thing, uh, but because I just desperately needed him and I desperately needed to hear from him. And it became so clear to me that the Bible was the, the place to find him, <laughs> yeah. that I didn't need to have a master's in theology like my dad did or like some of my friends who had gone on to, to be vocational ministers that just personally, I didn't know what it meant. It, didn't, it wasn't me feeling like I needed to get a job of ministry, but I just knew I needed him. I found myself at that place in several points in my life. I will say that, you know, my my grandfather, my mom's dad, uh, was an awesome man of God and, and an awesome example. And I remember very well sitting with him at his table, him telling me at 80 years old how um, God's Word only got better, that he couldn't read it enough, that he... Wow. He couldn't mind the depths of God's word. And so at that moment when I was 31 and I realized that I just really needed to know him, that that was just ringing in my head of, you know, if if after 80 years he could get to the, the bottom of it and still have such a an eagerness and a love for scripture, then that's what I want my life to be about. That's what I want to pursue. And he's given you opportunities that most of us would never even consider attempting to ask for and and journeys that you're on right right in the midst of right now that uh, right. You, you probably never even dreamt of taking a step that direction 10 years ago 15 years ago yeah no absolutely um continue to be <laughs> surprised by <laughs> the doors that are opened you know and um the people that God continues to just put in my path and and hopefully in some way you know, minister to and shine some light. Yeah. Well, man, we appreciate you being here with us. Uh, your story continues, and uh, we want to, of course, bring you back and, and keep up and, and go ahead and move forward with our discussion with you. It's Milam Byers. Okay. Where can we find you online, Milam? I mean, because you're all over the place. I mean, what's what's your what's your poison this week? Instagram, is that where you're at now? Instagram's not bad, yeah. <laughs> that's, probably the, that's probably the most... Uh, most updated <laughs> yeah, yeah i see you all over the place i'm just I'm like well where am i going to find him this week you know <laughs> that's right <laughs> it's mylon byers brother thank you for being here with us thank you
And that's going to wrap episode one here of Modern Christian Men. Thank you so much for your time. If you liked it, would love to know. You can find all the contact information again on the website, modernchristianmen.com, as well as links to Milan Byers, our guest here today. We can pray for you. If there's anything going on you'd like to talk about, maybe you'd like to be a guest here on the program, again, hit the website, modernchristianmen.com. We'll catch you next time, guys. Until then. Thank you for listening to the Modern Christian Men podcast. You can find us online at modernchristianmen.com.